you know, we become successful people when we seek God. That's absolutely correct. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hember. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. Thank you for joining us today. Good to have you with us for the next half hour as we study the Bible. We're looking at the longest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 119. We're going to take a look at the first eight verses. It's going to be very interesting. Corey is here with Ryan. Corey? Over the next couple of days today and tomorrow, you and I are going to be taking a look at miracles in the Bible and our responses to those miracles. Ryan? Well, the Bible, including many of the Psalms, praise and honor God as the creator of the heavens and the earth. But, you know, the vastness of space has left some of us wondering if he perhaps created life elsewhere in the universe besides Earth. So this is the question I'm going to be seeking to answer today. Very good. Janice? Today my segment is called The Right Path. Get your Bible. Let's find out what God said. Psalm 119, verses 1 through 8. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed when I look into all your commandments. I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. Psalm 119, verses 1 through 8. It's the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses, Psalm 119, and we just start from the beginning, and we're only going to take a few verses, eight verses here, but it's divided up into eight verse sections, and each one has a 20, it has one of the 22 letters of the alphabet in order. So it's very, very interesting. Psalm 119 is what we read today. And when I came to know the Lord, my soul was relieved, I'll tell you. But I had been assured of the salvation that God had secured for me to be with him in heaven forever, for eternity. Uh, it's, it's like John 14, the first three verses, they came to mind. It says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. Now, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. What an amazing statement. What, what a stunning promise. But now the hard part came. I needed to change my life. And that was much harder than I thought. We live in a culture of sin. The beginning of Psalm 119 tells us that as Christians, we have to focus ourselves on the Holy Spirit and the Word of God working in our lives. The Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And if you want to know what the Holy Spirit says, here's his words right here. 
in the pages of the Bible. So get yourself involved in a Bible reading plan. That's very important. And uh, I want to say that as we study the first eight verses of Psalm 119, the ways of God, this is a great psalm. Um, Jeff Millslagle is a friend of mine, and uh, he did a whole teaching on this. And it's just stunning. It really is. And I want to encourage you to think about Psalm 119. And uh, take your Bible guide and turn to it today as we focus on this. And if you don't have one, write to us. Uh, we'll send it to you or call us. We'll get it to you over the phone. Or you can go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. That's a website. BibleDiscoveryTV.com and click on it. It'll take you to a donate page. Thank you so much for your donations. They're very important to us. And we thank you. God's Holy Spirit has helped us to continue. And so uh, as long as we continue to do what God says, we'll be okay. But uh, it'll take you there and thank you for your donations. Then it'll take you to a PDF file where you can download it exactly like it's printed. And you're seconds away from joining us. Seconds, I tell you. All right, the ways of God. Father, I pray today in the name of Jesus Christ as we study this amazing psalm that you would help us to understand its music and it's written in a form so that we can memorize it. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help us today as we study the first eight verses in Jesus' wonderful name. And we said together, amen. Now, bar mitzvahs are conducted, and that is when a gentleman comes to age and the, the beautiful Jewish people recognize that he has memorized Psalm 119. Beth mitzvahs are the same. When a daughter becomes of age and she recognizes she's memorized Psalm 119, it's very important to keep that in mind. But let's listen to what God says, not to what we memorize or what we read. Let's listen to what the Lord has said. Psalm 119, verses 1. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Wow. They're blessed. If they walk in the law, the way of the Bible, blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. I mean, that's stunning. Absolutely. Beloved, the first point is we must become seekers of God to succeed in life. When we give our life to follow God and seek him with all our heart, we're blessed. Now, I don't know if you want to reduce the blessing to money. The money is just one section of it, but blessings are everywhere. Your children serving God, husband and wives serving God. I mean, I hear this all the time. Beloved, blessings are stunning and they, they have momentum that travels with them and the Lord blesses us in families and he blesses us with friends. He blesses us in our finances. He bless As we seek the Lord, we focus on his blessing. Now, Psalm 119 verses 3 and 6 say, they also do no iniquity, those people. They don't sin. They don't do iniquity. They walk in his ways. That's amazing. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed when I look into all of your commandments. This is a stunning admission. No matter the circumstance, we must follow God's word. That's where his precepts and his principles and his statutes are. The Lord gave us his word and the Holy Spirit 
to help and to teach us. Beloved, we can't do it on our own. You know, we read the Bible, that's interesting, but the Holy Spirit comes in to help us understand what it means. The Holy Spirit comes in and shows us how to live that. And I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that your Holy Spirit would be released right now in the people who are truly interested in following your word. Open up their hearts, Lord, and may they see you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Keep that in mind. That's very important. All right, let's go on because this is really good. Now, here's Psalm 119, verses 7 through 8. I will praise you. Now, this is important. With uprightness of heart. In other words, I'm going to praise you in the right heart. When I learn of your righteous judgments. I want to read that again. I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. That, I mean, I could do, we could do sermons on that all day long. But verse eight says, I will keep your statutes. This is a commitment he's making. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. He said to call to God. And beloved, we respond to God knowing that he has already done so much for us. That's why we come to God. The Lord has made a way for us to follow him. We must seek his face. Now, if you want to come to know Lord Jesus Christ, it's not something that, yeah, I, yeah I'm going to do that today. That's not what it is. That means you've come to the place where you're desperate for him. You need a change in your life. If you're at that place right now and you're desperate for a change, that's a good place to be. Because God changes everything. And you want to follow God. And you're serious about it. Pray with me. Because I know what that's like. And I know what that means. Father, come into my heart. Show me yourself. I need Jesus in my life. I need you to change me. And I believe 2,000 years ago, we killed you on the cross, but you overcame that, paid the cost of sin, and you rose from the dead. Now, Lord, I need to receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, the name of Jesus Christ. And we all said together, amen, make it so. Today, we continue our journey through the book of Psalms. And what's impossible to miss are the constant refrains of the psalmists praising God as the creator of the heavens and the earth. Now, as a believer, I absolutely love to study the universe because after all, it is my Lord's handiwork. And when I see the vastness and the intricacies of the creation, I'm totally blown away and it makes me want to worship him. But you know, a real question that naturally arises when we study the vast, vast universe, especially in our modern times, is if God created life on other planets besides the Earth. 
Now, as we broach this subject, we need to consider very, very carefully what the Bible teaches. The universe contains untold billions upon billions of stars. Incredibly, many of these stars are also host to several planets. Thus, the number of planets could potentially exceed the number of stars. Though currently only thousands of these extrasolar planets have been discovered, many, many more are surely awaiting discovery. With countless alien worlds in the universe, it is reasoned that many of these must contain life. In fact, to evolutionists, life on other planets is a virtual fact and would be seen as confirming their naturalistic faith. For if life on Earth evolved naturally and was no major thing, then logically there should be many other worlds out there where life also evolved. Interestingly, many Christians also suppose that there is life on other planets. They reason that God must have created life elsewhere, otherwise this enormous universe would be an awful waste of space. There are several problems with adopting E.T. into the Christian worldview, however. First, the whole idea of extraterrestrial life was birthed out of the atheistic evolutionary worldview. That is, if life can spontaneously form without the hand of a creator, then certainly there should be many examples of this besides Earth. Significantly, scientists, though in hot pursuit for several years, have not been able to even produce one single example of alien life anywhere. A second problem is that for the Christian to argue that the universe is a waste of space is arguing from man's perspective. Astronomer Danny Faulkner asks, is it not a bit presumptuous to dictate what God's economy ought to be? In Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, God proclaims, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The fact is, there are several answers to why God made the universe so massive, and significantly, they all center around man. For example, exoplanets have demonstrated just how special the Earth is. If the universe were very small, so that there were very few planets, this would not be that compelling. It is much easier to see the special status of the Earth in a huge universe with many planets. A third and main problem with adopting E.T. into the Christian worldview is that the Bible, first of all, makes zero mention of them, and secondly, many major theological issues arise. For example, the Bible clearly portrays man as the center of God's attention, so life on other planets would undermine this. Also, if alien races exist, how are they to be saved? Since they are not blood relatives of Christ, his blood cannot pay for their sins. Even if they never sinned, their worlds are still under the curse of sin. So what will happen to these beings when God replaces the original creation with the new heavens and new earth? In conclusion, extraterrestrial life does not comport with the biblical teachings of the uniqueness of the earth and the distinct spiritual position of human beings. It is the earth that was designed for life, not the heavens. Now, I know some of you watching will disagree with my conclusions, but if we're honest about it, the idea of extraterrestrial life is not one that's found in the Bible. Rather, it's been born out of a culture that is number one, entrenched in atheistic, naturalistic evolution, and number two is completely obsessed with science fiction. As a matter of fact, one UFO researcher documented that it is the most popular entertainment genre in the world today. And let's not forget that these sci-fi stories of extraterrestrials are all evolutionary based. So we need to be really, really careful not to allow our cultural influence to influence our understanding of the Bible. 
History over and over has demonstrated this to be very, very problematic. In this case, the problem with the idea of extraterrestrials is that it seems to undermine the Bible's big picture of the gospel and mankind being at the center of God's attention. So let's let the Bible speak for itself and let's use scripture to interpret scripture. Remember, as the word of God, it is our ultimate authority. I think one of the keys is that uh, the truth is that it, we believe it to be the word of God. And, and I agree with you 100% on this. And I come from a situation where I was entrenched in mm. the UFO cult when I was young. And, uh, you know, it's what I, and today we have it all over the place. There's, uh, you know, unexplained aliens and all kinds of things going crazy right across the band of channels and all of that stuff. But uh, I think that's important. Thank you, Ryan, for that report. Appreciate it. Corey? All right. So today is our uh, first day of two that you and I are going to be talking about some of the miracles that we read about in the Bible. So today we're going to be focusing on some of the ones that involve nature quite directly. Take a look. The Bible contains references to what we call miracles. In the Bible, miracles are instances of God either directly interfering with the natural flow of things on earth, as in Jesus' healing miracles recorded in the Gospels, or as God using seemingly natural processes, but with seemingly impossible timing. It's to this last use that we're going to explore. Let's take the miracles of the Red Sea crossing and the crossing of the Jordan River. Thanks to modern movies and popular depictions of the Exodus events, people often have preconceived ideas about how the miracle of the Red Sea happened. Many times, it's thought that Moses raised his staff to the sea and the waters immediately began to tremble and move, near instantly creating a dry pathway for the Israelites. But what does the Bible say? In Exodus 14, verse 21, it says the Lord caused a strong east wind to drive the sea back all night long, so that after some time, the Israelites were able to cross on dry land, meaning exposed land. Once across, Moses again raised his staff and the waters returned. Interestingly, this phenomena of water being driven away by a strong wind is a known natural phenomena. But what is tremendously unusual about it is the timing. What are the chances this would happen just as the Israelites needed an escape and just as Moses lifted his staff? Sometimes God's miracles seem to be in the timing. So too with the crossing of the Jordan River. Joshua 3 tells us that when the priest's feet touched the edge of the Jordan River, the waters began to lower until they ran dry, allowing the Israelites to cross over. There's a note that there was some sort of blockage way upstream by the city of Adam. This phenomena is also known to periodically happen as a result of earthquakes and landslides in the area. Again, the miracle is in the perfect timing of this event. The Bible itself associates earthquakes with these miracles. Take, for example, Psalm 114. The sea looked and fled. Jordan turned back. The mountains skipped like rams. The hills like lambs. Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord. Now, Psalm 114 that was in our assigned reading over the weekend, um, yesterday, in fact, on, on Sunday, it was quoted at the end of that segment, you know, talking about how the presence of God brings 
change. It always brings change. Now, the circumstances surrounding the coming of the presence of God really determines what kind of change, whether it's, you know, for a miracle, whether it's for judgment, whether it's for salvation, it, but the presence of God always brings change. And I think that's, uh, you know, one of, one of the things that the Bible always reiterates, and we see it in the Psalms reiterating it over and over. I also think it's, it's important to just draw out once again from taking a look at the natural nature of some of the miracles of the Bible. When we sit down and we think about biblical events, it's important to realize that the culture, our own personal culture, so what we watch on TV, what we see in movies depicting biblical events, what sermons that we listen to and how the preacher frames these biblical events, all of these things that we ingest can alter our view of a biblical event. So if we're going to sit down and evaluate, if we're going to sit down and think about a biblical event, it is always so important to go back to that portion of scripture and read it so that we have a fresh picture in our mind of what that actual event does describe. Because otherwise, we may be evaluating or thinking about something that someone has said or a movie maker has interpreted about the scripture that's not actually in the scripture. Scripture itself. I think it's important to remember that the culture, you talk about the culture in which we live, worships youth, um, mm -hmm. television, internet, they worship youth. That's typical. And at the same time, uh, the, the older folks who, are, who know the Lord and have lived their life for the Lord have great wisdom. And we should listen to them. Mm -hmm. We should hear them in their teaching and in yeah. their understanding. Yeah, so so I'm not trying to say that these are bad things. I think that, you know, watching, uh, you know, a television show that's about biblical events or a documentary or whatever it is, or listening to a sermon, these things are really helpful and can be really, they can really build up our faith and, and expand our understanding of scripture. But what I simply mean to say is that if we're going to sit down and, and deeply think about these issues, we should also know what the Bible says. Of course about these events, which I, it's so easy for us to become lazy in our understanding and depend on what we've been told, whether that's through movies or TV shows or even pastors and friends, regardless of whether those are great or not, we should always get our information also from the Bible. The I Bereans. Think, yeah, <laughs> actually, I think actually the primary information we get is from the Bible, mm -hmm. and that's actually true. Janice? Yes, uh, The Right Path is what I titled my segment today. The first eight verses, we're gonna uh, hear it again. I'm gonna read it. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed when I look into all your commandments. I will praise you with uprightness of heart. When I learn your righteous judgments, I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. We hear this plea from the psalmist, and I want to make some statements here. By the laws of God's word, you know, we recognize how we are not able to measure up to God's standard in our lives, for our lives. Romans 3 verse 20 says, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So the law was never designed as a means of salvation. No one could or can be saved by keeping those laws. It was given to us to learn how to live. Now, I find it interesting here. The psalmist realizes 
when he says here, I will praise you with uprightness of heart. When I learn your righteous judgments, I will keep your statutes. And then all of a sudden, it's, it's, it's as though he becomes overwhelmed with the thought that it's really utterly impossible to do that. And so he, he falls onto the mercy of God and says, oh, do not forsake me utterly. He recognizes the fact that he is a human being. And as much as he wants to follow God, as much as he tries to follow those laws, he will not be successful in every way and then goes to the mercy of God, uh, which that's where all of us need to put ourselves into the merciful hands of a loving God who sent his son to reconcile us, to be able to forgive us of our sins if we would ask him to do that and to come in to our hearts. And his Holy Spirit comes and literally dwells within us after that to teach us how to live and to be that teacher and that guide for us. But the important part of that we read in verse 2, back up to the top. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him, meaning God, with the whole heart. We're reminded again that we need to seek after the Lord God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind and all of our strength. And when we do that and we are moldable in God's hands, when our heart can read the scriptures can read the teachings of God's word, and we can give ourselves over. We are not perfect people, but as we follow the Lord Jesus Christ and make our lives available to change and to learn and to grow, this is just so vitally important. And and it talks, this whole scripture of Psalm 119 is the meditations on the excellency of the word of God. And, And the word of God is wonderful, It's amazing, but Rod, you know, we've talked about it before. You can read the Word of God. You can know the Word of God. You can even have it in your heart, but if you don't apply it, you know, I can read a cookbook and I can can read all about how to make something or how to grow a garden, how to plant. But unless I actually apply those things, unless I take the flour and the eggs and the sugar and whatever is in the recipe and mix it together and do what it says, I'm never going to get that item of what the recipe is, or the same thing with the garden. I can talk about it, but unless I actually physically plant that garden, cultivate that garden, weed that garden, it's never going to happen. It's the same thing with the Word of God. We need to read it, get it in our heart, but then live it, do it. Today we pray, Lord, I must learn to trust in your provision for my soul. I choose to follow you. Help me, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen, or make it so. 
I just want to make sure that you understand that Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we are live on Facebook and YouTube with a prayer meeting and Bible Discovery TV. We're there always with the prayer meeting. Won't you join us? And we'll pray for you in Jesus' name. Make, maybe you can pray for others too.